Hello and welcome to episode 189 of Effect RPG a Minute Part 2. My name is Matthew and we've got a guest host with us. Welcome, John. Hello, hello. Pleasure to be here. Now, John, we're going to find out. Uh, obviously, we our listeners have heard you before, not least two weeks ago when they listened to the um, uh, the last episode, you giving us the first half of the RPG a day questions and before that as well. But we've never been properly introduced. We'll introduce you with a with a short players in their mam uh, after we've spoken about our new patrons. I have a little question mark over patrons because I'm not entirely sure whether we have one or two. I'm going to mention two names, and for reasons I'll explain later on, um, we may not have a second patron, but I don't know. Um, uh, then we'll then we'll have a quick interview with you, Jonathan, and then we'll get into the world of gaming. And then it's over to you and the return of Dave. I should say we should we should explain why Dave's not here. Dave is not here because he's on a cruise in the Mediterranean. How jealous are we? How jealous are you, John? I don't do well in tight spaces. And I always imagine that cruise ships are a bit tighter than um, I'd be comfortable with. Yeah. However, I've been shown pictures and they look quite roomy. So uh, maybe. Well, maybe <laughs> we can get a message to Dave to measure the exact space in his cabin and yes. report back. Um, width, please. And of course, there's that wide open blue sky on deck. You just spend all your time on deck, I guess. That's terrifying. <laughs> right. I, Maybe cruises aren't for you, John. Um, but, and, but Dave will magically return from his cruise to complete the second half of our RPG a minute challenge that we started in the last episode. So let's crack on. Um, welcome to our new patrons. Uh, we've got two. Uh, I think um, the reason I say I think is because the second one appeared just today in our discord, but Patreon haven't told me that he's a new patron. So he might be just somebody who's got uh, hacked an invite. <laughs> I don't think he's server. hacked an invite because he's been assigned a uh, stationary level. So, so the, the bot I think thinks he comes from Patreon, but I'm just wondering whether he's somebody who <laughs> hasn't had a Discord username before, and um, we've probably thanked him before in some previous time. But the username he's he, he is on the Discord is Michael Lee. So, Michael, welcome if you're new, and welcome to the Discord if you're an old hand at being a patron. We're glad to have you aboard anyway. And uh, the other patron is Sid Razavi. Uh, so welcome, Sid. We are very, very happy to have you both in the Patreon and in the Discord. Um, so welcome. And I will write to both of you. Well, no, I won't write to Michael Lee because I don't know who you are in the Patreon. <laughs> but I'll write to you, Sid, in the Patreon and just point you to a few of the uh, rewards that your level qualifies for you for you there. Um, so over to you, John. Now it's time for Player in the Hammam. You're our Ooh. guest host, but we've never asked you the question. Tell us about your life in gaming. 
Oh, thanks. I feel honoured. Um, so my life in gaming, um, I'm a bit of a late bloomer. I'm probably one of your younger patrons. Uh, I'm 35. I started role-playing about five, six years ago. Um, in London, I went to, I, I finally plucked up the courage. I went to a meetup.com group. Um, my first experience was actually a game called Kuro, which is a Japanese horror mm -hmm. um, RPG. And it was a it was a one shot run by uh, Andy Acoustic Deal for what's now the London RPG community at the time was the Shoreditch Role Players. Um, great one shot, loved it, very atmospheric. The following week, I turn up, there was a D and D one shot, and then a couple of weeks after that, uh, they launched the Cantus Expanse, which was is still a massive D and D five E uh, West Marchers style campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had uh, at the peak pre-pandemic uh, we had maybe a dozen DMs um, in person and so we would have over three nights at least three or four tables in um, pubs and board game cafes in a couple of locations around London all playing in the same persistent campaign where the GMs, the DMs all had little one-shot adventures all within the same realm. Um, I They started it up with three DMs um, back in 2017. Uh, I was one of the first 30 players or whatever it was, you know, the, as they were trying to work everything out. Within three months of me playing my first game of D&D, I said, "Oh, hey, could you run? Could you run a session like this? I've got an idea." And then they just said to me, "No, why don't you run it?" So <laughs> I started DMing within three months of um, uh, playing, and um, it's it's been uh, a mixture of playing and DMing ever since. Cool, mostly D and D. In that time, uh, mostly D and D. However, in the last few years actually you know if it's been about five years it's been about three years that i've been into free league games so oh, probably more than more than half um and I've uh, been that of course brings you uh, to be a patron of the podcast as well now exactly. um, i am aware that you've moved out of london you've moved about as far out of london as it's possible to go without heading up north into scotland so do you still play with the London or RPG group? South into or south into Cornwall. Awesome. Um, yeah. All the way into Cornwall. Um, uh, yes. So pandemic happened and very quickly uh, the organizers, we all decided because I was one of the organizers, we kind of all just kind of had a meeting online because in 2019 we'd started up a Discord server. Um, and we were just kind of slowly getting people across into it from uh, using Meetup because it has like a discussion forum-based thing, but it wasn't very, it was kind of crap. Meetup.com is kind of crap. Anyway, we got the Discord together and a few of us just had a meeting. We were like, right, we need to go online. Um, uh, we need to go online and just run it from there. And what resources can we hook up? So 
the uh, the LRC, you know, we've got a bit of a budget. We run on donations. So we got a Roll20 account. We open that up. So you create a game and then you invite someone else to be a co-GM. So all of our GMs could have their own Roll20 worlds, mm-hmm. whether it's DV or anything else. Um, so we really kind of, we tried to make the most of the situation. And I think we've done really well because the group has flourished. Um, we're still, I'm doing a lot of we, like I stepped down from um, organizing and, and I stepped down a lot of stuff over the last um, two years um, just because of uh, personal health and life and, you know, having a child, moving mm-hmm. away, all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, like it's it's grown in number. Like we haven't diminished in activity or in number. We've, we've thrived online. We're probably slow to actually return to in-person gaming really i think there have been a few people that have been quite um keen to do it and so they've done it we've had um a curse of strad campaign that was being run on wednesdays in limehouse uh in a pub in limehouse uh for the last about a year so as soon as things started to open up again about a year ago uh the dm was like great i want to run this in person got a small group together and they've just been doing that. So that's kind of wrapping up now. Um, and uh, yeah, I think people are slowly dipping their toes back into playing in person around London again. Mm. Um, now I just want to cut back to, you know, they, you say they were five years ago, you know, you're about 30 ish and you turn up at this meetup group. Um, you've not met anybody before, uh, you know, everybody else, kind of starts, I don't know, at school or at university or a mate drags them along to a thing. What prompted you to go, I'm going to meet this group of weirdos and play this strange game? For me, it was something I've been toying with. I'd been toying with for years because I've actually owned the Star Wars Edge of the Empire beginning game had been on my shelf for a couple of years. I never got around to getting anyone to play it together. And I'm kind of glad because actually the the Star Wars, the fantasy flight system is is a bit more novel than mm. just your regular dice. It's it's you know it's got proprietary dice and it's a great system. Having now played it, um I really enjoyed it. Um but at the time it was a bit daunting. So actually having that kind of eventually plucking up the courage and going you know what i've been in london for several years now the people i know are people from church people that i live with um and people i work with like there's not lots of crossover there's not there's not a big social circle going on so my now wife then girlfriend um encouraged me to do this because i talked about it a few times and she was like no john just go and do it so I eventually did, um, and it's just kind of become an all-consuming hobby ever since. Cool. That's good. That's great. Well, well done for having the college. Well done for having the college. Mm. Um, now, uh, you you did mention at the appropriate time that you've been playing free league games for about three years. We're a free league podcast, which 
might have brought you to us. Um, what are your favourite it was, games? It was Coriolis that started it all, actually. Uh, what one of the guys at one of the guys at the London RPG community, he got the Coriolis Quick Start, um, and we played it, and I loved it, and um, I then went and bought all of it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then I ran the quick start myself uh, with some other people, um, a couple of scenarios here and there. Um, and it was just um, partway into the first lockdown. Um, so mid mid to early, early mid 2020, I started um running uh mercy of the icons that's gone on hiatus um for for uh, a while now um we didn't quite finish emissary lost um but we were playing online on um initially on roll 20 but then i moved over to foundry and then i i'm still trying to work out the juggling act of um being able to have my own time and <laughs> you know manage a house and daughter and wife and um all that kind of stuff where you know my my life and time is no longer my own and my priorities have shifted dramatically and so it will be for a few years let me tell you that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i expect so so i've i've been i've managed to get in little bits here and there um mm of games um but what i'm hoping to do is to try and start something up locally uh mm -hmm. down down where i am so we'll see how that happens cool do you want to give a shout out to that town so if anybody's listening from that town they can get in touch but well i mean i'm happy to travel up to bristol but i'm actually down in western supermare excellent so uh yeah so if you're listening from the environs of Western Supermare, then uh, come and join John and, and the rest of us on, on our happy Discord and make yourself known or tweet at us or whatever. I only say that because um, I kind of got back into gaming after that period where my kids were too small and I was too responsible for them to, to really do much in the world of gaming. And I was listening to a podcast where I, I live up in Surrey and uh, somebody said, Students nowadays, they don't play Traveller. Why can't I find anybody to play Traveller at the University of Surrey uh, RPG Club? So I got in touch with them via their bulletin board at the time and say, I play Traveller. And um, yeah. had uh, got back into gaming uh, that way with the University of Surrey gang. Uh, so, yeah, you know, nice. let's, let's, let's spread that community. Um, now, uh, World of Gaming. What's the big news, John, in the world of gaming? Oh, the big, the big news at the moment is one D and D, which uh, I think I think is kind of all encompassing at the moment. Um, at least everything that I'm I'm seeing online, uh, which is funny because I don't feel like actually a lot was announced i th think there's a lot of potential and a lot of people are talking around it but um yeah i don't know let's talk about it <laughs> yeah so uh, a lot you you're right a lot was announced but most of it was 
sometime in a couple of years' time. Um, so the only thing that has come out is the playtest kit, which is a kind of character generation, isn't it? For it's new... one aspect yeah. of new player styling because they're they're looking to overhaul. It's what I've what I've gleaned from what I've read um, because uh, or, or watched because I haven't you know, given it as much time to, to fully get into it. Um, there, there are three main things. So there's um, evolving. They use the word evolving. So this isn't technically sixth edition. This is an evolution of fifth edition. Mm-hmm. It's the next evolution. Um, they're using big words like Apple do, and they're they're going away from the published editions, and they're going with one D and D. I'm using uh, air quotes with my fingers here. Um, it all it it all seems very Apple uh, Apple like, if I can say, um, because they're they're really structuring in that enclosed environment. Because up until now, uh, playing online, you've it's been. I think they used the the term or something along the lines of it's it's quite a hodgepodge thing of getting fifth edition online on whether it's Roll Twenty, which have um, officially uh official marketplace content or foundry which just has the srd and then you've got to you know do it yourself someone built a, a dnd beyond importer that will take uh, content from the dnd beyond website put it into foundry for you um so if you've got it on dnd beyond you can have it in foundry which is lovely um and then there's fantasy grounds there's something like albert albert radio Rodeo, yeah. I, I, for a second there, I thought I was saying Albert, like <laughs> Albert, Albert. With a French Albert, Albert Camus. You've just given um, me my next uh, uh, character name for I would be Albert Rodeo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Um, and um, yeah, it's 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 not not I wouldn't say necessarily disconnected. It's like it's a bit of work to get stuff through and around because up until this point wizards of the coast haven't been particularly good at doing online content you know they don't do pdfs of fifth edition books um this was even before dnd beyond mm. came out five years ago so fifth edition had already been out for almost four years yeah. i think because uh, fifth edition came out in 2014 um yeah anyway so they haven't done digital like you know the only pdfs that exist of um fifth edition content are scans of um books and so that was available on certain websites that no longer yeah. exist so we should clarify judges guild or dm's guild i should say um which is a branch of one bookshelf they they have a community content um program which of course all of that's in pdf but as far as core books go um you don't get core books in pdf if you want electronic versions of the core books you go to dnd beyond exactly and yes the the dm's guild um 
has all the the supplemental con, um, con, complementary stuff like you know Spelljammer fifth edition Spelljammer just came out last week and they've already got a bunch of stuff out there on DMs Guild of being like it's better um, ship combat and stuff. And it's like wow, guys, you, you've barely even given it a week before publishing before you know you've gone out and said no, this homebrew is better. <laughs> so I don't know if that's indicative of the audience or of Wizards of the Coast as the publishers that people are expecting it to not be as good. I haven't given it a proper read yet, but I'm excited for Spelljammer. I have said to the guys at London RPG community repeatedly now for a couple of years, I was like, when they make Spelljammer 5e, I will go back to D&D. So it finally happened um so i'm having to i say having i'm not begrudgingly doing this i'm kind of you know excited about doing this running a small um spell jammer campaign just to you know fulfill that promise um which is cool um i'm looking forward to it i haven't fully read all of the details but um you know, one of the launch videos has uh, the giant space hamster in it <laughs> And uh, that is not a playable race, unfortunately. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's going to be a homebrew on DMs Guilds uh, shortly that will uh, fill that gap, though. Well, I don't know. I mean, Space Hamsters are all very well, but Capybara's are really the uh, uh, yes. creature, the rodent that should be going into space, as we all know from Absolutely. our campaign. Um, now, some interesting things. So, um, obviously, they, they bought... Uh, D Beyond from I can't remember the company that held it before. Fandom, Fandom, that's it. Um, so who they bought now it own from, that. Who bought it from Twitch? Yeah. Who bought it from the makers, which were uh, a company called Cursed. Yeah. Um, and the the head of Cursed. Uh, and a few of his devs, I imagine, uh, went off to create Demiplanes, which is ex almost exactly the same, but not D and D specific. <laughs> and um, and and so obviously they're they're planning. It looks from their sort of videos and stuff that have released to turn this into a, a a proper virtual tabletop as well. And there's some lovely animations that show what they're doing. Have you seen those animations, John? Yes. So my first thought was, oh, look, they're basically replicating Tailspire. Yeah. Which, again, I've only seen videos of. I haven't put down the money to play it because also it seems like everyone that wants to play it at your table would also have to buy it rather yeah. than something like Foundry where you only have to make the one purchase and then everyone can log in. Um, or even Roll20 with the subscription because it's... Um, hosted and there's some subtle um, differences with tailspire so tailspire you know me i mean we keep going on about this um in previous stuff discussions on vvts we like a nice bit of video to see who we're playing with and we like a nice bit of audio that's really clear sod the maps and the fog of war and all that sort of stuff well that's me and dave anyway i know um our patrons have different points of view and indeed um many of you patrons and and listeners are creators of content in all of these virtual uh tabletops so don't listen to us we know nothing um but one of the things that i thought about tailspire is it looked like it was actually quite a lot of work to put together something that looked like a video game 
which is great because of course it's got all the interactivity of an actual role-playing game so that's cool but it didn't particularly interest me in a thing that i wanted to do what i thought was kind of interesting about what one D D are proposing or wizards are proposing with one D D is something that looks not quite like a video game but kind of like animated miniatures on a tabletop do you would you say that's right Yes, kind of. Yeah, there's um, a sort of angle that's think... a top-down angle, not quite top-down, but you know, as though you're looking so, at the tabletop. Yeah, like it's it's not quite the old um, uh, action RPG of like the old uh, Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. Icewind Dale kind of you know bird's eye. Uh, RPG computer game. Obviously, those are terribly pixelated because they're really old. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the shots that they showed in the promotional stuff were a bit more um, low down, like looking at the details of the models, which I'm yeah. sure is going to be great because part of what they're doing is also building in effectively, uh, it's a built in. Uh, 3D model making um, yeah. service. So it's it makes basically wonder whether they're going to buy Hero Forge next and you can design your character what? and then print it out. Buy it or replicate it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Hero Forge is great. They've, I, I've got a few minis from them and I've made multiple um, uh, models. Um, not that I've, can you hear that train? No. Gone. Never mind. We can cut this bit. Um, I've made multiple models, um, and over time, as they introduce new features to the non-subscribers, such as you know, coloring in and that kind of stuff, I've I've done that. I've taken mm-hmm. screenshots. Um, I haven't gone for the whole framed background portrait stuff, yeah, um, because I can I can do that in Photoshop myself, um, and I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I do have um, three or four miniatures of the Countess characters that I've played over the years, um, which was uh, really nice. So I got those, I bought those from Hero Forge, and then I got someone in London who has an Etsy store to basically print this kind of thing. They've got a 3D printer, and they're like, cool, well, I'll print minis. Um, so I threw a few quid his way and, uh, he printed them for me. And so I've still got them in my drawer. I'm never going to paint them, but they're quite nice as little keepsakes. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, they've, they've got some rudimentary elements in D and D beyond at the moment, like a dice roll or the character sheet, that kind of stuff. They've got an encounter builder. I don't know how connected that is to the character sheets. I've not tried that yet, to be honest. I'm going to give it a spin with my Spelljammer um, campaign um, of going, okay, well, you know, how, how does it work? Can you run the encounter in D&D Beyond and then have you know the characters roll the stuff on their character sheet and it plays out? Um, and then, you know, I eliminate the... Uh, enemies in the encounter or, or however it does obviously it's all theater of the mind there's no map there's no um visualization or anything like that it is just here are the character stats you know 
do they attack? Here's how much health they have. Um, so we'll see. Well, shall um, we move on? Actually, we talked quite a lot about D and D. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. Um, shall we move on to the next item in our world of gaming? And this is a, a slight weirdness because um, it's something that was announced after our last episode came out, and it will the Kickstarter will be completed before this episode we're recording comes out. So um, uh, most of you will, I don't know, I, but it's an interesting thing. It's called The Mask Witches of Forgotten Doggerland. Yes, I saw this uh, on Kickstarter, and the first thing that came into my mind was a joke about dogging, and then I just moved on. (laughs) Excellent, really good. I mean, I didn't actually give it a look in. Sorry. So this is from Handiwork Games. Um, It's a very simple system, which I think is called the Silver Path or the Silver Road, that has come out before. The interesting thing about it is that it's by Handiwork Games is um uh is the company of the artist that used to be art director for um uh for cubicle seven john hodgson john hodgson that's it john hodgson i'm on i'm on i'm on the kickstarter now excellent right well done uh so john uh took the approach with this game that what he wanted to do specifically as an illustrator was use the AI um, art programs that are doing the rounds now, in particular, I think Mid Journey, but I think he may well have used other ones as well, like Dali. Um, but he wanted to use uh, those as as tools, as a medium, as it were, rather than doing what I think lots of games companies and particularly individuals thinking about covers for their um, for their uh, you, you know, three uh, league workshop games and things, for example, are thinking, oh, I can, you know, I don't need to pay an artist. I can whap out a quick image from um, from Mid Journey and it makes uh, suitably surreal, almost figurative designs that, uh, that look great, actually. To be honest, they look great. Mm. Um, and I think there's a bit of concern from some people that our artists suddenly going to lose a source of income if the whole industry takes this on. Now, John Hodgson, of course, has the excuse that he is an artist. So in this case, um, uh, Dali or, or Mid Journey is only his paintbrush. Um, and I'm sure he's curating these images in a way that perhaps uh, those of us who are just beginning on the AI art journey um, won't have the experience to do. So it's fully illustrated like that. That's kind of the only reason why I brought it up. It looks really interesting. Yeah. Well, I've I've, I've just been on the the Kickstarter page as well. At the time of recording, there's 43 hours. But like you said, by the time this comes out, it'll be finished. Um, And um, it looks really interesting. Um, Certainly the use of the art as um, evoking the, the setting that he's putting forth. But talking about this, one of the things that comes to mind immediately is um, this past week, Simon Stellenhag uh, has done a, a few tweets about this because there was someone that was using his work to feed an AI uh, to try and replicate 
Simon's style. Mm. And um, it was just like this guy trying to defend himself. It was like, oh, I tried to find, I'm, I'm doing research on the whole situation to find where the line is, basically. Um, so I wanted to pick a, an artist that I thought would be likely to sue and and just find out where the line is. And <laughs> so Simon's responses were kind of like, "That's this is so stupid. I'm so outspoken about AI-generated art already, and you decided to do this, but also I have no history of suing anyone about this kind of stuff. So it was just like the, the tweet thread was kind of interesting yeah. to catch up on. And of course, you know, I think what you can do is just mention Simon Stadler-Hag's name in the text that you feed into Midjourney, and it will try and create something that looks a bit like the pictures mm. that it has seen from Simon Stadler-Hag. And the pictures it has seen from Simon Stadler-Hag includes pretty much everything that is put on the internet. And since he was originally an internet artist before he got any publishing deals, or indeed was in, integral in the founding of Free League to publish his mm. books, um, then, you know, there's a lot of his work on the internet. So, uh, it's ripe there for AIs to go and harvest and to, uh, and to copy. But, yeah. Um, let's, let's not get into this conversation. <laughs> not now. Yeah. But, uh, that's for but, another yeah, podcast. It's, you know, it's an interesting, uh, book. I think John Hodson's attitude is interesting saying this is a tool for artists and I'm going to be an artist and create a game. That is entirely illustrated by that. Um, and so the final bit of news we have from the world of gaming is something that I've forgotten. So I'm going to look it up again. Hmm. Uh, oh, yes. Middle Earth Enterprises has been bought by Embracer. Yes, they're really living up to their name. and They are embracing many, many things, aren't they? Yeah, so Embracer uh, relatively recently brought, uh, bought um, Asmodee. And Asmodee are the UK um, games distributors, but they're also, they own, um, well, you mentioned earlier on, Fantasy Flight Games uh, and also Edge Studios in Spain, which have now taken on all the role-playing licenses from Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight are sticking to board games and miniatures games. Fantasy Flight have got loads of Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings materials out already. Um, I don't know if anybody's concerned about the One Ring and the new 5e uh, Lord of the Rings role-playing, but I don't think they need to be. I think that No, I don't think they need to be robust. either. I think, I think the Middle Earth Enterprises, or whatever it is, they have a very existing and very thorough contracts. Yeah, with, um, um, with I mean, different not directly with Free League, but with um, serious games. Yes. So, but the way that it's done is that, you know, card games, board games, fantasy flight games, right? Um, mm -hmm. Electronic games are done by whichever AAA publisher um i can't remember and so you know the role-playing game was cubicle seven through as you said serious games but whatever happened has happened and i don't know what i don't know what cubicle seven are up to these days but they seem to have lost a couple of license but but they're doubling down on doctor who and warhammer role-playing yeah 
doubling or tripling down. Anyway, um, yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see. I I did not from a free league perspective. I did not back or get the One Ring Second Edition. Oh, you missed out, mate. You missed out. I have not. I have not done it. I'm not sure that I will. If I ever do, that's great. But you know, my shelf back here. Uh, the, I can uh, see your shelf back there. Yeah, yeah, it's full. Thanks. I've got everything but the One Ring, Simba Room, and Mutant Year Zero in hardback. Now I've got Simba Room and Mutant Year Zero in PDF, um, thanks to some um, strategic um, bag of holdings or, or you know, yeah. bundle of holdings, whatever that wherever it was um which is great but the one ring with well actually no i've got a bundle of holding for the original adventures in middle earth and possibly the original one ring i'm not yeah. sure yeah, but i don't have the free league version um i don't have the free league version i it looks gorgeous um maybe i'll get it one day but i haven't played through most of what's on the shelf behind me yet so i need oh, to you play poor innocent. That. you think you're going to get to play those games no no no, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't happen they, they they if i if i had a coffee table to lay them on they would look amazing there but they look great as they are on my shelf <laughs> yeah um yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything to worry about there, but, uh, you know, it did make the news, and it's interesting to see this, what's becoming a huge company um, taking on mm. these things. Um, yes, I think they, pick, they picked a good name. And yes. as, long as, as long as they don't interfere, and as long as... Because uh, Embracer Group is made up of... Um, uh, investors or whatever so they've got thq nordic mm-hmm. um and uh, a few other things uh around that so actually they seem quite invested or interested at least in a lot of games and gaming whether it's physical board games card games role-playing games or digital like video games and stuff so they seem to be quite interested in that niche um, so I have faith that what they're going to do is, I hope at least, and this may be naive and you can uh, tweet at Effect Podcast or whatever. You can you can tweet Matthew about it. Don't don't come at me. Um, <laughs> I I hope that Embracer Group live up to their name as a group that embraces and encourages and builds these companies and these ips in a way that is like actually you know by by making these things well these ips these these products these properties by managing and making them good and um uh living up to customer expectations you know the players and and all that kind of stuff um that will that will line their pockets regardless you, they don't have to go i hope they don't go down the route of a lot of what the 
AAA video games do now, microtransactions. It's like we're going to strip away all the fun stuff and we're going to make it microtransactions. We're just going to make it. It's a grind, absolute grind. You know, this is coming from having seen this miles off years and years ago and going, ugh, this is horrible in a lot of video games, but also a couple of the video games that I still play every now and then that I really enjoy are so deeply ingrained in that that it's kind of annoying. Well, but I think they have great stories. To misquote uh, Robin um, and oh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff, when we start talking about the grind in video games, it's time for another item. And that other item ah, fair is, enough. Uh, is the rest of your fabulous question mastering on yes. RPG A Minute. Absolutely, yes. Take it away, John. Okay, question 17. Past, present, or future, when is your favourite game set? You've uh, both said Firefly, haven't you? That's so. for me, isn't it? So... Um, well, well, that's that's the that's the period I would want to live if I was alive in it. Um, my my favourite, I got so many favourites. Um, I'm my favourite at the moment is probably Forbidden Lands. So I'm going back in time, I guess, or a, across the timelines into a parallel universe where uh, where the Forbidden Lands exists. Um, Generally, yeah, I think, I think people go with fantasy being past yeah yeah exactly yeah so i would say past for the mo at the moment matthew yeah that is a difficult question um i think by default the future is where all my favorite games have been set i mean we've played dave i think you and i in our various groups we've played probably more games set in a science fiction setting, Andy Bricks' Traveller campaign, Traveller 2300, all those sorts of things. Coriolis is what started the podcast. So yeah. I think you generally find us in the future. I do love a bit of present. I'm not a big fan of fantasy, although, like Dave, um, Forbidden Lands has brought me back to fantasy. I'm not a big fan of monsters and of othering evil. I like the evil that we see in men's hearts. So... I'm not particularly into futures that have got lots of aliens either. That's but that, that's my thing. I think the present or the future is probably where I'm more comfortable in role playing. Cool. And uh, Matthew, this next question is kind of repeating um, on a previous question, so don't give the same answer. Give us something else. Mm -hmm. uh, where is your favourite place to play? Right. Well. I am going to briefly mention Goddard's as, mm -hmm. as Dave said, it's a brilliant place to play a game, but actually um, I've got to recommend to UK audiences, all sorts of places you can go and play that are run by the landmark trust. Mm. And in fact, go, David, go I, landmark trust. We, yeah. we can't afford Goddard's it's massively expensive. It's 50th, 50th birthday material, but every year we do go to a smaller place with our chums called Manor farm. And I think, in a way, that's actually now fast becoming my favourite place to play. Mm -hmm. um, company's okay, uh, but um, <laughs> but setting the roaring fire by the fireplace as we're playing, it really, it's great. I love mm -hmm. it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think my answer is, is the same as Matthew's, but with a slight twist on it, in that, yes, um, 
the, the, the farm that we go to every year is brilliant. Uh, fabulous place, completely in the middle of nowhere to enjoy a game. Um, but I think, you know, that my favourite place is is where wherever I get together with my favourite people. And um, role-playing is so about... Are, are you going to, like, be sick at that one for being too sentimental? Um, <laughs> role-playing is all about the people that you are playing with. Uh, and I've been blessed over the years to have played with a lot of great, great players and a lot of great friends. And that's the most important thing. But playing with a beer in the dining room of a place like Manor Farm in front of the roaring fire with it wet and cold outside is difficult to beat. Yeah. Like, Even uh, when it's quite nice outside, but we do play in um, generally September, October or November, don't we? Yeah. Home is where you lay your hat or the game is where you roll your dice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, question 19. Dave, why has your favourite game stayed with you? Um, okay, again, it's a difficult question because I've got so many favourite games and my enthusiasm for them will wane and, and uh, wax and wane depending on, on how often I get to play them. Um, why? Yeah, so it's really difficult. I mean, if I, if I want to go back to Victory Games, James Bond again, because that's one that I remember very, very clearly from back in the day, I think that stuck with me because... Um, it's a nicely produced book. It's a book that I haven't lost over the years that I've still got on my shelf, which is not the same. I can't say that for every game I've played. Um, it evoked the feel of James Bond brilliantly at a time when I was a teenager and it was just the ideal thing to play. And I remember those times sitting around the table at home, playing with a great bunch of people and having some great moments. Um, that's really just my take on that one game because I don't really have one favourite. I've got too many that fall into that category, I think. Cool. Matthew? Okay, yeah, a similar situation to Dave here, but I'm going to go back and think about games that I still play now, not <clears> games that sit on the shelf, Dave, that I haven't played for decades, <laughs> um, that I played in the early days. And the one that really springs out with that criteria, we've talked about playing Traveller a lot, but RuneQuest. I'm back at playing RuneQuest with Nick Brook, who I've mentioned at the show, who works at Chaosium as a community lead on, on their Johnstown Companion. He's a great GM, uh, but the world of RuneQuest, Glorantha, is just a great place to be. It's got ducks, Dave. Surely you'd love any <laughs> fantasy race where you can play a duck. Surely. I haven't played RuneQuest in many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think also for me, I, I'm, I, I get drawn by the new things. So they're probably, I'm trying to think what's the oldest game. How far back, how far back do I go for a game that I'm still playing today? And it, it's probably only a few years actually. Yeah. No, because we're not playing Pendragon anymore. No, um, no, no, that would have been a good answer, but yeah, let's use it. No. no points for this question, John. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool, cool. Question 20 How long do your games last? <laughs> well, this can be answered well, many different ways. Yes, it can, <laughs> it depends uh, on the game. So, since lockdown and playing online, I tell you, it's an hour and a half a session. I cannot cope 
I can just about maybe stretch to two hours, but I am gone. I was I was very skeptical when we started Coriolis with only an hour and a half on a Monday evening, but I'm completely converted. I think it's absolutely a great duration for a game when you're yeah. when you're doing it of an evening when people have been at work and the like. Well, online as well. I think online, I think online yeah. makes it more tiring. I'd hate to do an hour and a half game round a table. I mean, we have done we've done ninety minute games at UK Games Expo, haven't we? But um, That's hard but work. no. Uh, face to face it can go on for bloody hours and it's great and i love it all yeah make a day of it yeah 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 so i think my answer is the same probably face to face can make it three days <laughs> over a weekend yeah <clears throat> with cool. short bre- short breaks for food and walks and matthew falling asleep in front of the fire i do a lot of that you do <laughs> fantastic Question 21, setting Sunday, share an intriguing detail from a game setting you enjoy. An intriguing, an intriguing detail. An intriguing detail. Mm. What's one of one of the bits from um, the Coriolis core rulebook? Because that's just rich with little intriguing hooks. Um, at least that's for me. I'm interjecting mm. here and I'm answering this yeah, question. Yeah, no, no, guys. that's 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 um, cool because I'm struggling to think of an immediate that's, answer. That's one of the things for me with something like the Coriolis Core rulebook is it's so rich with these little things. Some of them are expanded upon in the Mercy of the Icons campaign, but a lot of it is just written in a way so you can buy the core rule book and that's the only book you need you can then go and make it your own the third horizon your mm. own thing take and leave whatever you like um that's one of the things so an intriguing detail specifically from coriolis that's coming to mind right now as i'm talking and i'm taking more than 30 seconds and i apologize <laughs> um is i think the stuff Okay, so not a specific detail. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that. My my brain doesn't work like that. But one of the mm-hmm. things that I really like about the way that Coriolis has been written and set up, um, one of those little details, as it were, is the way that religion and faith play such a core part of a science fiction game. Yeah. Absolutely. It's built into the setting. Yeah. Yep. Right, so did you give Dave his answer there, Jonathan? Yeah, my answer is what Jonathan said. There we go. (laughs) Cool, cool. We'll just redub what I said in Dave's voice. No, we won't even bother doing that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a good answer. Cool. And I'm going to carry on in the same theme, but for RuneQuest, I love the way that... you're in you're in a mythological bronze age where you can recreate the the um deeds of of the gods and of heroes past and you're uh, aligned with them in various ways through your cult membership or through your rune affiliation i love that i love that and i'll tell you what's missing from pendragon there's not enough god in pendragon no Although I never, I never, I never felt the, the the gap of of God and faith in Pendragon. Well, I, I think, I think I did. I think you know we're meant to be playing. You know, the story of Arthur is created around effectively 
a pagan society becoming Christian. Christian, yeah. And, you know, we've never been to church in 30 years of playing. Well, off screen, perhaps. Off screen. <laughs> well, you and I might have been to church occasionally. Move on. I think we could get lost moving, on this one. Moving on. Um, okay, question 22. Matthew, who is your current character? And in what game, I suppose? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I I'm going to go with one of my favourite current characters. And uh, that will be um, Suichi. Uh, I've forgotten his clan name. It's gone out of my <laughs> head entirely. Um, from L5R. Um He's he's fabulous, uh, but we don't we don't podcast those games, so you never know how fabulous he is. He's of the Monkey Clan, <clears throat> which I really should remember his family name because there is only one family in the Monkey Clan. Um, but he's he's a very honourable samurai, but also very approachable, and he smiles a lot, <laughs> and he's very modest as well, unlike Dave's character. I know he's dead now, though. Yeah, <laughs> um, Dave. Again, there are so many. I mean, there are so many great characters. Um, I think the one I'm going to choose, which I, I'm probably enjoying the most at the moment, although I'm enjoying all of them immensely, is uh, my character in the Tales of the Old West campaign that my brother is running, um, Brody Anaheim, known as Bluffing Brody, uh, horse trader, uh, gambler, uh, becoming a bit of a serial murderer um, has has had the chance once to kill somebody in cold blood and and he liked it and so now he's he's kind of well he, he, he killed two people by poisoning them not realizing that one of the other characters had just paid those two men five hundred dollars to act as bodyguards for that character <laughs> they obviously they died out of town I went out of town to follow them to make it look like a bandit attack. Um, searched them, went, oh, $500. That's pretty cool. Um, and he's become addicted to, he's basically a psychopathic serial killer or a sociopathic serial killer who is loved and liked by everybody on the surface, but underneath he he just enjoys that power of having someone's life in his hands. Dave introduced murder hoboism to his game no, that hasn't no, no, even been released. There's no hoboing. It's just murder. <laughs> I, I live in the town. I, I don't mean, go categorically, anywhere. what we can say about uh, Tales of the Old West is you live in a town. So, no, no, it's not a hobo. He's, <laughs> There's no he's hobo just a murderer. Yes. Okay. Just but your entire gang in that game that, that Tony's running is, is is so bloody immoral. We're basically a, uh, like a, a, a mafiosi clan who runs people out of town if they don't like them, who... Uh, ended up getting some stolen property and when the owner of that property turned up to get it back had them effectively arrested and then executed for trying to murder us uh we are a a bad bunch of people wow what a bunch of dicks yeah <laughs> it's great fun to play though <clears throat> i'll bet i look forward to trying it sometime um i realize we are going on a bit and i have not been timing you for the last yeah, we probably need to get on time. Dozen, dozen questions. Um, so, uh, right, moving on. Question 23. What situation is your char character currently in? So 
Dave, I'm going to take that answer as I'm going to take that question as answered from what you yeah. were just saying. Yeah, that sounds so, cool, Matthew. Um, how about you? Um, I want to change characters now, but um, I don't know whether I can. Um, I think we can be flexible if you want. Go yeah, I, ju I, ju I just want to offer a different view of Tales of the Old West. So <laughs> I can't remember my character's name in Tales of the Old West. Can you? Uh, I could look. I could find it. Yeah, you've got his character sheet. Billy Bob. There you uh, go. Just just call him Billy Bob. I'll find uh, it whilst you're talking. Yeah. No, so my character's um, uh, of mixed race uh, in the old west and he is actually like like my samurai um uh, uh, quite an honorable character um he 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 doesn't fall into craven things but that got everybody into trouble and it got tony's character dead in the last adventure because marion marion freeman marion freeman that's it yeah um Taking his name from John Wayne, obviously. Um, oh, I'm just going to interject. I just opened up this folder, which uh, we haven't played since um, uh, our last trip at the uh, at the Manor House. Yeah, and I just got a big whiff of smokiness <laughs> that we had from uh, from when we were there. Sorry, carry on. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, so um, we we had a gunfight in town, and. Um, his his friend Tony's character died, so uh, feeling a bit sad about that. He's not because he doesn't he doesn't relish in murder and stuff like that. Because you were doing the right thing, weren't you? Yeah, you were stand, standing up against a bad man. Yeah, fantastic. Um, when did you start playing this character? So uh, you the well, tales from again. Tales, Tales from the Old West, you've been working on that for how long now? And when have you, since when did you start playtesting it? Basically, I guess we'll, we'll call it that. Um, we've been well, working on it for about four years, I guess now, haven't we? Three or four years. Yeah. And playtesting it for much of that time. So I ran, I ran a campaign with my group down the pub every week. Um, and then when I wanted to play it, my brother volunteered to run it. And so I then created Brody probably 18 i don't know 18 months ago or something yeah, i think we must have been recent. must have been off adventures, yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. and um give it give us I, I guess we can keep on the same thing of um tales from the old west because that makes things a little bit easier just for the next couple of questions who knows um where has that character being so where have your character where what is the the hometown that they start in and where have they whereabouts have they been is it me first this time you yes. first yeah um okay so he lives in uh, a town called steaming rock in nevada he has arrived there from further east fairly recently in order to to set up his um uh, his horse trading business He's also good at doctoring, so he makes a bit of money on the side doing that, and he's quite a good gambler, so he's made some money on the side doing that. He's determined to get the best Appaloosa herd in uh, in the whole West. Appaloosas being um, kind of the best horses that are bred by Native Americans. And in the scenario before last, or the scenario before that, he managed to get hold of a breeding pair by doing um, doing a favour for some for a native tribe up in the um up in oregon um so yeah so other than other than the kind of like 
uh, being in and around Nevada. He has been up to Oregon in order to murder somebody for this native tribe, which he did quite gleefully, um, uh, happily, because the prize for him at the end was this fabulous pair of breeding horses. And Matthew? Um, I'm being very far. We, God, Dave, help me with this. New Mexico. Um, sorry? New Mexico is where you're We're in New Mexico. Where, where, yeah. what's, what's the name of our town? It's called Jornada Springs. Jornada Springs, exactly, New Mexico. Um, I've come there uh, with with my compatriots to set up actually another horse breeding business. That's that. That's our plan. Um, but uh, I can't even remember where they come from. Get that couch sheet out again. <laughs> no, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. Um, so we've only had the chance to play it a couple of times, and with our with our little group that plays those games, we meet so rarely that we only get one game a year or two if we're lucky of each of each and we alternate so each of us runs a game so the last game we played was uh savage worlds it's just as well we're not talking about those characters a (laughs) day i thought about father bellows but i decided (laughs) not to (laughs) i thought about willem van der horn but uh, yeah (laughs) this is the infamous solomon kane game that uh, will never be broadcast will never ever be broadcast no all recorded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, exactly. Yes. Well, yes, it yeah. can't be broadcast if it's not recorded. No. Um, let's move on. The question 26. So we're, we're on the final stretch here. Why does... Oh, this is more about your individual characters. So feel free to go back to your L5R character or whatever. Uh, why does your character do what they do, Matthew? Um, Up to you. Because he believes in a better world. He believes he can make his life here. Obviously. um, But he's not going to live in that better world, is he? Of course (laughs) not. I'm a monster. (laughs) No, no. You're the monster. (laughs) I'm trying to make this a better world. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to carp on about how brilliant Tales of the Odd West is, but it allows you to build (laughs) your community. That's a major a part of it and he really wants to build a community um even if it means gunning down the members of the, that community who are bad great and dave sorry what was the question again why, do you why do does you? your why are you a murdering do? bastard dave uh, in every okay. single one of the games you play <laughs> not every single one um so sticking with tales of the old west um he is uh he's chasing his big dream um and it's turned out that he can make he's made quite a lot of money, which has helped to get towards that big dream by doing some of these nefarious things. And he's fallen in with a crowd in the town, including the preacher, who are basically the cartel that runs the town in a, almost in effect. It's like a gang. It is like a like a mafiosi gang. And that's that serving him well at the moment. Um, Great. Fantastic. I I can't wait for you guys to get this out properly. I, I do. I really do look forward to giving it a go. I probably could check out the alpha that you've got, but yeah, that I, is I, now a full, complete playable game with an adventure. So it's worth doing that. Oh, maybe I will. I mean, I might read it. I'm not going to play it. I don't have time to play anything anymore. My shelf is just freely <laughs> games, just <laughs> looking really pretty on the shelf. Um, Question 27. How has the character changed? Um, Dave. Yeah, so Brody has become 
more ruthless. <laughs> a murderer. Uh, yeah, he wasn't a murderer before. Um, it was kind of the first murder he did was kind of in collusion with the rest, although they didn't realize he was gonna he was poisoning these two particular people. Um, yeah, he's become much more. I don't know. I mean, he's he didn't set out to be a murderer. Um, he has become uh, a murderer, and I think the way I've rationalized it in the character in the game is that he got this taste of this power uh, over life and death and he gets a thrill from it. And so he takes ever bigger risks to, as a doctor, he has, he has in front of other people deliberately failed to save somebody's life um, whilst looking them in the eye and enjoying watching them die. Do no harm. That I know. is dark. That is, it is quite dark. Yeah. Matthew. Just as lighten, well, we're not recording. Lighten, oh, we are recording. Lighten, no, we're not recording. Lighten light, light the mood a bit, Matthew. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, I'm going to go back to um, the L5R character because I don't really feel that Marion has changed much. And I've remembered his name, or rather I've looked it up. It's Toko Suichi. Um, and he started off as very much an innocent abroad um, uh, monkey clan person, very smiley, very friendly, very trusting. He has become a lot more manipulative. And it's not particularly that he, he's got massive manipulation powers. It's that I, as a player, uh, you know, now have him, although being very friendly, he's quite low ranking. So he has to be very obsequious. But he does try and manipulate the people around him into agreeing with him. Um, which is a thing that actually I do quite a lot in role-playing games, actually, I think. I I know this. <laughs> <laughs> Having played Alien with you, with uh, oh. in, Inspector Shu. I love yes. that. I love that. <laughs> I, uh, as, as, a, as a person, I'm, I'm very easygoing. So when someone tries to hand this up, like the whole manipulate and lay it on thick, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. We'll just do that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a very argumentative person. I'm not, I'm not very good at um, even, even in role-playing, like fighting my corner as it were. So it's, it's difficult for me. So I will tend to be like, you know what, let's see where the story goes. Mm. So uh, I remember that being quite a, quite a thing. <laughs> It was um, great though. That was a lovely. Scene. It was. I enjoyed that a lot. So, uh, question twenty-eight: Style Sunday. Roll one d eight plus one. Tag that many friends with your favorite RPG cover art. Let's not do a one d eight. No. Let's just say, what's your favorite cover art for an RPG? And I'm going to go to first edition Feng Shui, which has got a fabulous action shot of um, I think somebody getting knocked off a bicycle by. Somebody doing a flying uh, kick, mm -hmm. uh, you know, flying karate kick. Um, that bloke's got shades on. It just looks really cool. It looks really, really dynamic. Uh, sadly, first edition um, uh, Feng Shui didn't have very good glue, so the book's fallen apart now. But I've kept it, even mm -hmm. though the pages keep tumbling out, because I love that cover so much. Mm -hmm. I think right. for me, I'm I'm going to go for something more recent, and I'm going to go for uh, the cover of Verson. Mm. Um, and I think you know, Free League does so well in evoking the the feel of the uh, of the game through their artwork. But I think for me, that one is just 
is just so good. It just gets to feel right. It kind of tells you everything you need to know just by that one picture. And every time I hold the Verson book, I love it just that little bit more. Even if I'm not playing it or I'm not really even reading it, just holding the book in my hands, it's got, there's obviously a Verson in it that makes me love the book. Um, yeah, you're, uh, you're so. being bewitched there, I think. I think so, <laughs> yeah. But it's great. I love that. That artwork is, is fabulous. Great. And Dave, uh, we're on the last three questions now. Yep. So question 29, who would you like to see take part in RPG a day? And do not say, what's his face? Annie John Jules. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else, please. Oh, okay. Um, Robert Llewellyn. <laughs> he plays Crichton. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm, I'm we'll going to leave it there. Yeah, I'm going to leave we'll, it there. We'll, we'll take that. Um, <laughs> I I seriously think you should consider putting a uh, proposal or a request together to get them all down to a table. I think. Um, that's a... Yeah, I I think that could be done. Uh, I imagine uh, for for the right charity for for a bit of money. Yeah. You could probably do that and probably be better off not doing a, a Red Dwarf themed, but um, no, no, you could probably put something together. I expect that might happen. But maybe I should do it, sell it as a Red Dwarf theme, but then make it alien. <laughs> <laughs> alien on Red Dwarf. <laughs> Lol. Could be. Uh, yeah. Matthew. Um, uh, if we're going back over answers that we've given before, be Dave Waters. I think he'd be great uh -huh. part of this. Um, I think everybody should take part in RPG a day and everybody should do it next year because it's the 10th anniversary. Mm. Yes, good call. Good shout. Um, question 30. What should RPG a day do for its 10th anniversary next year? <laughs> I think you've just answered that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 30, that's me going. Well, I think actually you should just go back to the first set of questions because it's mm. 10 years. People's answers will have changed. Yeah, and, that's, that's, an, that's a fun idea, yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I'd just be interested to do it again. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's nothing stopping you from doing that anyway. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're right. But yeah, I think no, I can't better that. That's a good answer. I, I agree. I say the same. Great. And the final question is when did you first take part in RPG a day? Uh well that would have been on the podcast maybe three years ago. Oh where how we long did ago was that? Let me look it up. Three or four. I mean three we or four years. Yeah, it could five. be four years ago. Yeah, I think, I think so. Well where, was... where we did we did a quick five minute uh podcast for every day which is great great fun doing that hard um, work hard work which is why we went for the the light touch version and <laughs> we've gone for rpg a minute and i think the mm. year before i did that on the fiction suit podcast i did it every day uh, not podcast on the blog on, yeah on the blog. you don't have a separate podcast <laughs> no. do you and and it does but nobody listens to it because it's shit without me and it's got <laughs> twice the audience numbers you um... very good so two <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. That's that's big-headed of me, assuming me being the uh, only listener of effect. Anyway, uh, um, thank you guys. This was fun. This probably went you. on a little bit longer than anyone anticipated. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're expecting this. 
Um, well, if, if the ti- if the timekeeper had kept to his time, would have done it in thirty minutes. That's well. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to call this. We we're going to call this RPG a minute this episode. And now we can't because uh, no, RPG every two minutes now. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. That was really good. I mean, I'm sure there are some some quiet bits that you can cut out in editing. Uh, yeah, but that we won't might, bother. That might, might take you a week. I haven't got yeah. time to edit it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Brilliant. Anyone? Thank you very much, Jonathan, for asking yes. us those questions. Thank you. And next My year, pleasure. you should do all the answers. I mean, if you're gonna, if you, if you have me on to do just that, I will do it. Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. We'll reverse it. Cool. You turn it into a game show. Get a few of us on and just yeah. like <laughs> do game show with game show with buzzers. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I, mm, I'm liking this idea. <laughs> okay. So here's the pitch. So we'll go back to uh, question 30. What should RPG do a day for 10th anniversary? It should do a game show. Game show. There we go. (laughs) The game show version. Well, thank you, John, for uh, being here to ask all those questions and be prepared to listen to our um, rambling uh, answers. Um, I don't know whether your stopwatch broke, though, because I'm not sure we kept an RPG a minute. Oh no, no! I, I, I got lazy and I couldn't be bothered to keep stopping and starting. So uh, I just let you guys ramble on. Um, so sorry, hands up, guilty as charged. Well, next episode, I, I don't know what we're going to do next episode, but what I hope we're going to have organised by then is maybe an interview with the guys from Free League about their Drakkar Okjemona, um, Dragon's Bane. Uh, announcements um so watch this space um if it's not that uh, it may well be an interview with our patron millie about her fabulous uh side camp um game that is uh rocketing through the bestseller charts on drive through rpg we'll think of something um but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him May the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.